My name is Benjamin Brown. I've got the scripture reading for this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Ben, for our scripture reading this morning. Trying to make this mic here work. I have to readjust it. Warren, can you get better? There we go. I'd add my welcome to everybody this morning. It's good to see you. I'm so glad that you got up an hour early. <laughs> and we got in last night on a trip that we've been on, about an eight-hour drive, and got in late last night, and I was going like, no. Losing an hour tonight. So glad you're here. And as we worship together, we know that God's Spirit is with us. And I just want to say thank you to the worship band this morning. They did an awesome job. I said, look at Lacey up there. Yay. (laughs) Proud of you. And uh, we're glad I always got to have new people leading and being a part of worship. And we're proud of that. Let's just offer ourselves now to God in this moment. Come, Holy Spirit. Worship to us. Help us to worship you, God. Fill us with your presence. We just ask that you help us now to worship you in spirit and in truth. That you open our hearts to the movement of your spirit, to your voice, prompting us, speaking to us those words that we need to hear. Words that not only have the power just to be heard, but the power to transform us into the people you call us to be. So, loving God, we offer ourselves to you now as I offer myself, that you may use me in this moment, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts in this place would be acceptable, pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're beginning a journey, a journey that we call the season of Lent. That's the 40 days that lead up to the time we call Easter, uh, a time when we remember Jesus' journey to the cross. For some of you, Lent might just be that time of the year that you give up something that you really don't need. <laughs> or maybe the end of king cakes and the end of uh, you know parades and all that kind of stuff. But Lent is so much more than that. Lent is, it's even more than just a time to remember the journey that Jesus took to the cross. Lent is also meant to be a time for us to examine our lives, our role in that journey to the cross. Because it, the scripture tells us it is our sins that led Jesus to have to go to that cross. As we read in Isaiah, he, has, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And so we begin this journey of Lent, a time when we examine our lives in light of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
And it's a time that should lead us to an awareness of our need for what Jesus did for us on that cross. It's a journey that should lead us to repentance, to turning away from our sins and turning toward God's will for our lives so that we might experience the true joy of Easter. And this year, we're going to use uh, the Gospel of Matthew as our help in this journey. And we're specifically going to be looking at the last week of Jesus' life according to chapters 26, 27, and 28 that you find in Matthew's Gospel. So each week you can be kind of reading those passages as preparing for this Lenten journey. But in these chapters, we have Matthew's account of Jesus' passion, of his crucifixion, of his resurrection. In um, chapter 26, we have those events that took place from Saturday up to Thursday of the Lord's Supper. In chapter 27, you have that that list of um, things that took place on the day that we call Good Friday of Jesus' crucifixion. Chapter 28 talks about all the things that happened as a part of the day of Easter. So that's what we're going to be focusing on. And I'm calling this series of sermons to the season of Lent, Worship the King. Because in these chapters, we see who Jesus really is. He, He was so much more than just a mere man. He was so much more than just a good teacher. Jesus was the one who had the power, the ability to overcome death, to overcome evil, and all of the limitations that we find taking place in this world. He, indeed, is King of Kings. Lord of Lords, worthy of our worship, worthy of our love, worthy of our very lives. And today we pick up with a story that you read in the other Gospels. Um, It's a story of where Jesus and the disciples were gathered at Simon the leper's house in Bethany. And they stopped over in Bethany before they entered into Jerusalem. And while they were there, this woman comes into the house. And she begins to anoint Jesus with some costly perfume. Jesus describes what she did as being a beautiful thing, an act of worship that was worthy of being remembered and told throughout the ages. She'd always be remembered for this act. And as we think about how we might worship the king, worship the one who laid his life down for us, I think we find in this story some lessons for how we can offer our worship to Jesus, how we can to express our love to Jesus and dedicate our lives to him. So I want to take a closer look at this story this morning from that perspective, and um, I want to read the story again to you. You've heard it read once. Let's read it again just to have that images, the images of the story fresh in your mind. Here we read that while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me For burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now, when you compare what Matthew, his account of this story, with the other gospel accounts, and and Mark and Luke and John, you're going to see that there are some details included in their accounts that are not included in Matthew's gospel. 
For instance, you have Luke who describes this woman who comes into the house and anoints Jesus with this costly perfume as being a, a sinful woman. In other words, this woman has a past. Luke mentions that. Matthew doesn't. Why not? Well, I'll tell you why not. Because it didn't matter. For Matthew, her past doesn't matter. You know, Luke's a historian, so he includes some other details here. But for Matthew, he realized that for Jesus, this woman's past was insignificant. It really didn't matter. And neither does yours. You, know, you may have come into this place this morning carrying with you a sinful past. You may be here this morning feeling as though you're not worthy to be worshiping Jesus or uh, you really have no right to be in the church at all after your past. What I want you to know is we don't have those kind of labels here, and neither does Jesus. Jesus died so that your past could be forgiven, and so that with his help you could have a new future. So just like this woman, your past should not prevent you from coming to Jesus to, to worship him, to express your love for him, to serve him. That's the wonderful and amazing thing about God's grace. So with that in mind, let's look at what this story teaches us about how we might worship Jesus and express our love to him. And the first thing I think you see in this story, the lesson to be learned, would be that Jesus is worth the very best that you have to offer him. In the text that we read, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Matthew describes this as an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Mark's gospel expounds on this even further, saying that it could have been sold for 300 denarii, which would have been the equivalent of at least or maybe over a year's worth of wages. That's a lot of money. I mean, think about that. And what, what would be a year's worth of wages? Well, even at minimum wage, that would be around at least, around least $12,000. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine buying a bottle of perfume that costs $12,000. <laughs> I mean, I love my wife, but, you know, geez, I mean, I, I, just, I can't imagine doing that. And secondly, I couldn't imagine taking that $12,000 bottle of perfume and pouring it on somebody's head or their feet. But this is what this woman did. Why did she do that? Because Jesus is worthy of the very best that we have to offer him. Obviously, whatever this woman's situation was, she was a woman of means. I mean, she could afford to buy a $12,000 bottle worth of perfume. Um, But that's not the point. I mean, the the point of the story is not that that we're to try to worship Jesus uh, above our means. The point of the story is that we are to be as extravagant with Jesus as we can afford to be. To bring our very best. And I'm not talking about just money here. When we talk about worshiping Jesus and loving Jesus, we're talking about every aspect of who we are. All that we have. Years ago, a man named uh, Mike Pelavacci was a youth pastor in the church in England. And he was having a discussion with one of his youth who was wanting to get together once a week for prayer and Bible study and worshiping God. And so he asked the young, the young teenager, he said, well, what day of the week would you like to meet? And the teenager said, well, you know, Saturday night is the best night for teenagers. And so let's give Jesus the best night. Let's, let's do it on Saturday night. And so Mike agreed to do that. And um, 
And so they started meeting on Saturday nights to pray and do their Bible study and so on. And it just comes to be that this young man, the young teenager who requested this, was Matt Redman. Some of you may know him. Uh, he's written a lot of famous songs that we sing in worship over the years. Uh, the Heart of Worship, uh, Lord, Let My Words Be Few, um, uh, Blessed Be the Lord. There's so many of the songs that we sing that he wrote. I mean, this this uh, meeting together once a week on a Saturday became such a, a movement, a worship movement in that culture there that it literally touched thousands of youth in England, and then it came over here to America and, and touched thousands more. See, Jesus is worthy of the best that we have to offer. So if you want to love Jesus, if you, if you want to worship Jesus in a way that pleases him, Give him the best of what you have. Give him the best part of your day, the best part of your week, the first fruits of your resources, not your leftovers. Be as extravagant in your love for Jesus as you can afford to be. I mean, Jesus doesn't want you to do more than what you can, but when you give your best, Jesus is blessed by that. He says it's a beautiful thing, and he is pleased when we do this. The second thing I think we learn from this story is that Jesus is worth the criticism that you will face. You know, the sad truth is in the world that we're living in today, whenever you try to stand up for Jesus and for your faith and you try to do things for Jesus in this culture, you're susceptible to being criticized for it. There are those who are going to criticize your motives. There are those who are going to ridicule you, make fun of you. There are those who might even attack you in the world we live in today. To stand up for Jesus is making yourself susceptible to criticism by others. And the frustrating thing about the criticism is that it often comes from those you least expect. And that's what we find taking place in this, this uh, example here today, this story. In fact, one of the most shocking verses in all of Scripture is found in this story. Here you have this woman who is pouring out this ex expensive perfume on Jesus as an act of adoration and, and love and worship. And what do the people who are closest, the most devoted followers in the church, uh, the disciples, have to say about this? Well, you find it in verse 8. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Or the translation said they were angry. Why this waste, they asked. You know, this is amazing. Did you hear that? They considered what she did to be a waste. Here this woman, her act of worship, her gift to Jesus, to put upon him, he's, he's about to go die for the sins of the world, and she's offering this gift to him. They considered that to be a waste. It's, just, it's hard to imagine this. And can you imagine saying that about someone you love? Well, I bought my wife this beautiful dress. What a waste. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to imagine they would say this, and yet this is what they say. Uh, they consider this woman's gift a waste. <clears throat> the disciples weren't usually wrong when it came to Jesus, but they were just dead wrong in this instance, I believe. Uh, giving the best that you have to Jesus is never a waste. Worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, serving Jesus is never a waste. And, and giving the best we have is never a waste of our resources. The disciples were just so caught up in their own self-centeredness and their pride that they just missed this completely. And I think this story teaches us something about critics. Uh, you know, you see, you have this woman who is, is worshiping 
Jesus, and she is she is trying to minister to him and, and to offer this love expression of love to him. And what were the disciples doing? Nothing. And that's the chief characteristic of a critic. Uh, critics are often those who sit in the cheap seats, doing nothing but criticizing everybody else around them. You ever notice that? I don't know how many times I've had people criticize something we're doing here in the church or something we're not doing in the church. And and often my response to people who do that is to say, you know, you seem to have a real passion about this. Why don't you do it? Why don't you take it over? (laughs) And almost every single time I say that, what I get back is, oh, no, 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 I I, I can't do that. Or I don't have time to do that. Or that's not my job. (laughs) It's pretty clear what they think their job is supposed to be. Listen, when you give your best to Jesus, there are going to be those, some people who are going to try to find fault in everything you do. They're just not going to get it. They're going to criticize your motives. They're going to criticize your methods. But also keep in mind that often their criticism is nothing but a smokescreen to obscure what's really going on. That they're not doing anything but just criticizing others. The bottom line is don't let the critics stop you from worshiping Jesus. Don't let the critics hold you back from expressing love to Jesus and doing what you believe that Jesus is calling you to do. I have a friend who graduated from a pretty prestigious uh, seminary, and he was preparing to go into ministry just like I did. He was going to serve a church and pastor, that kind of thing, and his, his family was all excited about that. But then right at the senior year when he got there, he decided he felt a calling by, from God to take a less traditional route. He decided he didn't want to pastor churches. He was going to go serve in a mission field in Mexico and serve the poor there. You know what his family said to him? You know what his pastor said to him? You're wasting your potential. As if the poor in Mexico didn't matter as much as the people in our area. Again, when you give of your very best to God and you follow what you believe Jesus is calling you to do, there are going to be those around you who criticize you, find fault in your actions, question the integrity of your choices, and mark it down. (laughs) Very often, those will be the people that you least expect it from. But like this woman who came to Jesus, don't let the critics hold you back. Don't let the criticism discourage you. Continue to give your best to Jesus. Give him the best of what you have. Give him the best part of your day. It's not a waste of your resources. In fact, giving our best to Jesus pleases him. In his words, It's a beautiful thing that you do. So loving Jesus and expressing your worship to Jesus in deed and action and not just with your words, but serving God, it's worthy. It's worth the criticism that you may face. The final thing I think we learn in this story is that Jesus is worth the attention you give him right now. In this passage, Jesus said something that has often been misunderstood something that has actually been misused quite often. He said, the poor you will always have with you. Some have used this to make the same uh, uh, difference, the same objective that the disciples used. They would say that, you know, don't be extravagant. Extravagance is unnecessary because we've got so many suffering people in the world. We can't afford to do that. 
Others would use it to um, voice a sense of social um, non-action, inaction, um, because they would say, the poor will always be with you, so why bother? (laughs) I don't think Jesus is making that point on either of the grounds. The point that he's making here is that this woman is to be commended because she recognized what is most important in life. And she was doing something about that right now in the present. Listen to what he says. He says, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Listen, the poor you're always going to have with you. As Jesus said. And helping the poor is a good thing. We were actually commanded to do that. He says, as you did it to the least of these, you do it unto me. But Jesus is calling us here in this passage to remember what is most important. And that is our devotion to him. The most important thing is putting God first in our life. Being devoted to him. And when we do that, we're called to do that not someday, but right now. The difference between this woman and the disciples was not that she had access to an expensive bottle of perfume and they didn't. The difference is that her, her heart was, focusing, was focused on worshiping and loving Jesus, and theirs wasn't. She was willing to do something about that right now, and they weren't. Instead, they preferred to talk about their good intentions, to pontificate on what others and how the others should be worshiping Jesus, but they really weren't willing to do anything themselves. And think about this. This is happening just hours, just a few days before Jesus is going to suffer a horrendous death. It's just a matter of hours, but he's going to be beaten and he's going to be uh, tortured and spit upon and ridiculed and, and crucified. He's going to experience anguish that is beyond our capability of experiencing. And what were they doing? They were arguing over how they felt some woman should be worshiping him and spending her money. Here's what I want you to zero in in. The difference between the woman and the disciples is that she worshiped Jesus in the present tense. Her heart was focused on Jesus at that moment. It was the most important thing to worship him. So she worshiped him in the now. She served him in the now. She didn't put it off. If you want to worship Jesus in a way that pleases him, then do something now. Worship him now. Show your love for Jesus now. Serve him now. Don't put that off. Uh, You know, it doesn't matter if you're criticizing something. If you're not willing to do something about it now, then what's the use of doing that? Jesus is worth your attention. He's worth your worship, your attention, your love now, right now. After this woman anointed him with this expensive perfume, Jesus said of her, she has done a beautiful thing for me. So I I find in this story lessons about how we are called to express our love to Jesus, how we can worship Jesus. And we do that by giving him the best of who we are and what we have. 
the best of our resources, the best of our, our uh, time, the best part of our day, whatever that is, the first fruits. It's by giving him the very best that you have, the best of your resources, the best part of it all. And when other people criticize you because of that, don't be discouraged. Even when they criticize you of what you're doing, they're going to find fault. That's just that's going to happen. Don't be discouraged. Still continue to give him the very best that you have. And most of all, do it now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't get distracted with other things. Give him the best of who you are and what you have to offer today. Because he's worth it. And because... This is what it means to worship the King of Kings. This is what it means to love Jesus. May we commit ourselves to that in these days ahead. I invite you to pray with me. Lord God, sometimes we get struggled with how do we express our love for you? How do we really worship you? Today we hear your word. We th- we're just so thankful for this story, God, this, this woman who was willing to cast aside all fear and just focusing herself on worshiping you and loving you in that moment. She even had to put up with criticism and ridicule from others and questioning her motives, and she still just focused on loving you, serving you, and worshiping you. God, thank you for this story that reminds us of how we are called to do the same. The world we live in, God, is it's a scary place, and sometimes it's hard to stand up for you. I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage of this woman to help us to live out our faith and our convictions, to stand up for you, to love you, to serve you with all that we are. I pray this for this congregation, for all of us together. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.